you are listening to TPWNN. And I was half expecting to just get a, a notice from Bloomberg. You're over your article limit this month. <laughs> just to completely fuck me over, you know? It's like... Uh... Oh, goodness. Okay. Ready to record. Local recording will start in three, two, one. Okay. The computer, an extension of the human intellect. The web is incredibly exciting because it is the, the fulfillment of a lot of our dreams that the computer would ultimately not be primarily a device for computation, but metamorphosize into a device for communication. And the, with the web, that's finally happening. And secondly, it's exciting because Microsoft doesn't own it. I am a computer man. I can do anything you can. I am a computer man. I can do anything you can. Computer man, he is your friend. He gonna help you again and again. So if you have a question or I am the computer man, and I am ready for questions now. Welcome to TPWNN, a dumb and stupid podcast about the internet and the nerds who built it and run it. My name is Scott, and it gives me some pleasure to introduce you to a man-child I've known for forever. Man, I've tried to fire many times, never successfully, and um, a man who has no sense of smell. He's, you know, he has his strengths and his weaknesses. One of his weaknesses is that, you know, he can't smell things, or maybe it's his superpower. Anyways, live from a garage in an undisclosed location somewhere in Southern California, Tom McDonald. How are things, Tom? Uh, good morning, Scott. Things are, they're okay now. Um, who would have thought that a simple Windows computer would, uh, uh, whatever, destroy my morning? So, yeah, I mean, I've never heard of people having trouble with Windows machines um, before. It's, you know, renowned for being stable, interoperable, um, you know, as far as operating systems go, it's, you know, um, that's, I mean, that's its rep. Well, yes, I realize the tongue in cheek there, but I mean, really, the uninstalling Bluetooth drivers and reinstalling it, all to get a simple Skype program working. Crazy. It's it's kind of insane, and um, you know, uh, you are. Did you? You're not using the Bluetooth now, or are you? No. I, yeah. So you're on wired. You're in the wired, right? Which is what I recommend, and which is what everybody uses. Yeah, that's what I. Not everybody, but most people. But so, you, were you still messing with the Bluetooth drivers because of? The wired connection? No, I, I mean, I tried the wired connection first, um, and that wasn't working. So I tried another just with the default uh, computer stuff, and that wasn't working. So for kicks, I tried the, uh, the Bluetooth headset also, and that was a disaster. Yeah, so. you never, never, if you're having problems, 
if you if it, if you get an idea, well, maybe Bluetooth will solve this. Problem. <laughs> right. The okay. Answer, my bad. Yeah. The answer is always hard no. <laughs> yeah. Hard no. Bluetooth has never fixed anything. It has only broken things worse. That is uh, the sad, true reality of Bluetooth. When it works, it works well. When it doesn't work, it just fails hard. Yeah, but when common sense stuff isn't working, then you got to go counterintuitive. And that's I, I was at my wit's end. So I'm like, oh, yeah, well, maybe if I pour <laughs> a were, pot of coffee on my like... keyboard, it'll work. <laughs> right. Pouring a pot of coffee on your keyboard would have had you know, a better effect than <laughs> right, right. trying um, to use a higher likelihood. Yeah. Yeah. Higher likelihood of, of working. So uh, today, of course, we have both picked a tech news story that we thought was interesting or worth discussing. Oh, and we also have our stupid or interesting Internet thing of the week after that. For you to enjoy, Tom. What news story did you select this week? Uh, so mine is a, a follow-up on what we talked about a few weeks ago. This lapsus uh, hacking group, sort of a, a loosely organized um, uh, group of uh, of hackers who have uh, the big story that caught my eye a few weeks ago was the hack uh, at Nvidia uh, downline downloading. Um, uh, some of their drivers and uh, some of their firmware uh, source code. Yeah, like the source code of this stuff, and uh, as well as as well as their Verilog code, which is relatively new to me. Uh, the importance of that, and it turns out that was a bad idea. Um, Nvidia, um, well, they don't appreciate stuff like that, and they happen to have a fair bit of uh, talent as well. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's the understatement of the year. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'll, uh, it, 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 precisely. Um, yeah, so if I remember correctly from a couple weeks ago, they hacked the hackers back immediately. Um, yeah. They went offensive. They responded with offense, which is typically, uh, well, which to me, it's not something you hear about ever. And it seems to be a newer strategy. And I think, you know, probably the security team just was like, okay, what, what the fuck is this? Found these guys and like, oh, okay, by the way, while we're here, let's just destroy it. Um, well, and, you know, oftentimes, if you're talking about a real professional group, state-level actors and stuff, um, that would nearly be a fool's errand. But that'll lead into uh, this particular uh, piece. Right. Um Right. Which is so. This is a, like, like I guess, just to put it into context, this is a really big hack, right? Like, if you're putting a like, this was headline news in even in mainstream media, it got covered, right? And um, this is this is we're talking repercussions. You always with security stuff, I always try and put it into dollars, right? How many millions of dollars? Is this stuff worth? Oh, many. Yeah, yeah, you're, billions. Yeah, probably, you're using probably, the wrong letter. Probably the yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's, it's probably billions. So this is like you know, there's thousands of hacks every day. Um, you know, millions, hundreds of millions, tens of millions. This is a big one. This is a big with a capital B billion dollar hack, um, and that's why we talked about it a couple of weeks ago um, in one of our rehearsal podcasts and. 
Uh, it was it was a crazy story, and we we also I mean Nvidia is also this giant company that we did a little you know um, overview of of like Nvidia is a monster. Um, well, and they're everywhere, right? The Defense Department, I mean, and in most countries as well. So if they were able to through that source find some weaknesses, um, which this doesn't seem to be their mo, but they could sell it to someone who's uh, that's right. Demo. I mean, just having it out there, it's it's kind of like having someone steal your your diary, uh, your source code, right? Like, you know, the, you know, if you live a good, clean life, then really have nothing to fear. But nobody really likes having that out there. And, you know, um, yeah. And, and just just the studying it for how they do things, the proprietary technologies, the methodologies, the, you know, all, all it's it's kind of like, oh, it's like KFC's secret recipe being, you know, posted everywhere on billboards. It's, you know, it's not going to put them out of business, but they're not going to like it at all. Oh, and I would put it more like Terminator when they found that chip. And then they decided to go after it. They didn't know quite what it was, but they it had all these advanced techniques and all that other business, uh, you know, in Terminator 2. Um, I was going to say that's Terminator 2, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but and I mean, for anybody who's under the age of 30 listening to this, Terminator 2 is a movie, as is Terminator. That was very influential for Tom and I, probably. In that. I don't think the kids have seen Terminator. Have your kids seen Terminator? Oh, yeah, by force, I'm sure, just with me watching it again. You know, a little nostalgia right. sometimes. Right, um, I forgot they grew up in an abusive household, right? Yes, yes, indeed. They've been indoctrinated. They've seen 16 Candles and Pretty in Pink and all those, uh, you know, Monty Python things. <laughs> you know. Okay, okay, Monty Python, I agree with 16 Candles and Pretty in Pink. Okay, well, just, I'm just going to leave that. Let's just walk past that. Put, yeah, yeah. I might even edit that out for your own character <laughs> reputation. I don't know. We just had to strap them in like Cannibal Lecter, and they just had you know toothpicks in their uh, eyelids to make them to make them watch. A Clockwork Orange. A Clockwork um, Orange. Oh yes, yes. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, anyhow, you know the taunting sort of. I don't know why, but it it it, it had a little nag for me. The taunting from this group to Nvidia. And they're they're sort of odd demand. Then they're they're changing up demands. Um, it just they didn't come off as a real pro group. They they seemed a bit chaotic, right? Like you know, it's it just and and uh, their initial demand was that. Uh, and I'm going to butcher this probably, but one of their initial demands was that the uh, Nvidia make its drivers for its video cards more open, so that they would work with more operating system distributions, probably very specifically Linux, right. which would probably be what these guys use. And they're annoyed that they can't. So it's sort of like uh, hacking McDonald's corporate to fix your milkshake, the milk machine at your local McDonald's. Oh, yeah. Right? I don't know where all these fast food references are coming from this week, I guess. Uh, well, I they have that much, interesting but, uh, story, too. But Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, it's, it's just such a, like you, you're owning these people. You have, you know, billions of dollars of information on them. And you're like, I want you, my computer to be able to use your graphics cards. <laughs> right. Or I will release the launch codes. I mean, it's, 
I don't get it. You know, it, it's it's just it's it, there's a lot of things, and, and the fact that they were hacked back immediately. Although in their defense, while they were hacked back, they were like back up and running pretty quickly because they had a backup. Um, so they they at least practiced some uh, good practices there. But uh, yeah, just the whole vibe of the thing. I, you got a got a sense that something was not normal about this group. Well, and two, I get too much into the movie mode. Uh, and you've got me on this anyways, where maybe I'm giving too much credit to what they could do. And I started thinking, well, maybe they're trying to look a little too chaotic, you know, throw off the scent, you know, and, know. and you know, have a computer plant that they can hack back to say, oh, this is where all those guys are. It just, you know, red herring type stuff. I mean, this is how I would think about it, you know. I, 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 you know, I, I think I would put three layers of stuff between me, um, you know, and me. <laughs> yeah, the old Oak Island stuff. So, um, anyways, as I my brain sort of spun out of control that way about how clever it could be if they were doing things this way, there's no way they got in and they were that inept. Well, I could very well be wrong. This isn't a confirmed story, um, but it is from Bloomberg, who uh, they only uh, they don't tend to run uh, with stuff like this without at least some semblance of uh it's corroboration yeah there's there's uh there's definitely plenty of by smoke. the way it's a developing this is a developing story i mean this story is happening right now saturday march 26th there are people in arrest under arrest and there are raids going on and it may not be done you know this is a this is happening right now right um but i'll let you keep going yeah and innocent until proven guilty right because a bit bad stat, state actor, wouldn't they love to have what I'm just now about to tell you, which is this. Um, uh, they believe they have, uh, although this is an unnamed person, but they believe they've identified the uh, sort of ringleader of this group, Lapsus. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But uh, yeah, yeah, because they're going to get really mad at you if you pro if you yeah. say your name wrong. They might come and hack your Bluetooth. Yeah, they're going to get. Uh, break in and steal all my family pictures. Um, so, but uh, a 16-year-old unnamed uh, uh, British uh, kid, I guess call him a kid, somewhere they say outside of Oxford, uh, who they believe is quite likely the, uh, the head guy, uh, perhaps in cahoots with another 16-year-old in Brazil. And this started to make all kinds of sense. You know, this is, you know, truly like the the most uh, uh, rational. You put a 16-year-old lens, a 16-year-old mind's lens over how this all went down. And it just, all the pieces, just like everything becomes sharper and tighter in focus. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, because they didn't use like a super sophisticated hacking technique to get in. They ended up just having credentials of someone uh, how did they get in? Why don't you tell us how they got well, in? Well, I, now I have to remember the precise, but I, it was um, uh, it was some sort of uh, hack in, into uh, uh, related to a remote desktop. Correct. As I so here's, I mean, let me try. Um, it was, it is believed that it was an inside job. So they found a disgruntled employee of a third-party subcontractor, and sold that person and paid for their credentials, 
um, which they then used. Is that fair? Yeah, somewhere around that. Yeah, something, something, and again, developing news story details all over the place. But this is, and, and this is what we're being told, by the way. You know, um, so I don't know why they'd have a reason to lie. I guess it, you know, if they were incompetent and were trying to say, oh, you know what, we're really, you know, make it look like, you know, it's very hard to defend against an inside job, right? Especially when you're a company the size of Nvidia with thousands of employees and thousands of subcontractors who need access to your internal systems, right? Right, because the, the idea of coming in, you know, through their, you know, uh, from the outside defense mechanism. That's harder to believe. I mean, that's when you start thinking state level actors might be able to do that. But uh, once you get inside, you know, like I might like lock my front door and and something else. But you know, it's quite likely that one of the bathrooms. Tell us doors, more about your. Tell us more about your home security system. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, first you have to disable the shotguns that are directed at the. But no, I mean it's. Uh, but once you're inside, it's not like I have locks on my refrigerator and locks on my oven and. You know everything else. Beer fridge, beer fridge. What about the beer fridge? Oh yeah, no, no, that's open. There's a beer fridge in each of the kids' rest, you know, uh, uh, bedrooms as well, just in case I happen to okay. be in there talking to them. Um, and I need a quick pick me up. So, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, so, and it's important to note. I mean, the reason why this it feels like there's probably something substantial to this. Um, because the group was first identified in late December. So it's not that old. The first thing I looked for was when they, because if they had, uh, had identified this three years ago and they've been going on, then I'd say, no, nah, this doesn't sound right. But a 16 year old, um, you know, it makes sense. He, if he gets in there and, and uh, you know, through credentials from someone else, he can grab the stuff. But the, the chaos that seems to have been going on during that time and their, their lack of forethought for, well, what if someone comes back towards me, you know, to, to uh, use misdirection and- These are just very 16 year old, let's drive the car onto the lake of ice and do some donuts. <laughs> and oh shit, we hit a tree. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, and it's, yeah, and again, with their demands being uh, just, you know, sort of, wild i mean given the value of what they've um you know of what they've stumbled or i don't know if they stumbled across it they targeted obviously um you would think that they wouldn't you know and, and their very public announcement of this stuff like uh i'll go further in this story with uh with what they did with microsoft but you know they just couldn't you know stop talking whereas if they were smart they would have uh, maybe do a small public release, but then get behind the scenes and be this, like... This whole thing reeks of unsophistication. It reeks of, I'm 16, holy shit, I have gotten into NVIDIA. Uh, uh, they got into some government stuff in South America. They got into Microsoft. You know, this is like too much power. Um, and using this very smart, but also very dumb method... Right. Like they're not hacking anything. If someone gives you the keys to the house, are you breaking in? Yeah. And I mean, that's they have open advertisements. You know, do you hate your boss? <laughs> you know, uh, like, I wonder how much this will change behavior. And I mean, more with their behavior because uh, they hacked into Microsoft. I uh, didn't hack and they got into Microsoft. 
and Again, yeah. start it downloading. I mean, is it a hack? Is it a hack? I mean, yeah. that's a great, we could talk for hours about that. Yeah. Technically, I, it's a hack because of the method, right? It's a new method of advertising for disgruntled employees and paying them a fuckload of money to get the credentials. And then you just say, I don't know, I guess I left it on a piece of paper on my monitor or something, you know, I don't know how they, you know, yeah. how, uh, you know, because there's, you know, how they got the inside guy to admit that he got paid. I mean, I guess this guy was probably dumb or girl was, was not smart and left some cookie trail that they found uh, with their dialogue with these people. And I mean, who, you know, we'll get the details in the coming weeks, but it's, um, it's wild. Yeah. And, you know, with their Microsoft, as they were downloading it, they were uh, they were gloating about it and all this stuff uh, on their internal Telegram channel. Well, Microsoft's security team happens to have a lurker there. And so they quick got in and thwarted the attack mid download. <laughs> and so, I mean, again, a, a strict professional state level actor would not be doing this, but it is still amazing. You keep saying state level. I mean, I think someone who's not 16, right? Somebody who has 10 years of experience or more would just not behave this way, you know, uh, whether they're a state actor or not, I think. And honestly, I'm kind of on the fence as to whether I love these kids or I hate these kids. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, they're just bored. It's pandemic. <laughs> and uh, on one hand, genius. Uh, for their novel approach, um, very dumb <laughs> for their sloppiness. And, uh, you know, these are the sort of people that you want to recruit and guide to work for the good guys um, or work for our side, we could even say. Yeah. Um, I mean, we had a 15-year-old way back in 95, I think, um, as a dial-up customer, and the kid was a sick genius. He was just, and I mean, he was doing, you know, like your traditional, you know, what you would think of as black hat hacking. Um, and he would just go in and absolutely destroy a place. Like he didn't even try and get anything for it. He just set the whole place on fire, you know, go in, delete their backups first, then delete their regular stuff, and then just vanish. He didn't ask for money. He didn't do anything like that. We eventually had to call the FBI on him, which uh, was terrible. Thankfully, um, they went a little soft on him. And then, I mean, now he works as a security researcher and all the other fun stuff. But like these 16 year olds, if this is true, I don't think they really have the concept of, you know, doing 15 years, you know, of hard time, you know, in what it is that they're doing, especially if they're like, well, they'll go soft on us. All we want to do is open source the drivers. So people at Linux, you know, software should be free for God's sakes. So, I mean, that's the mind of a 16-year-old, as you said. Um, and you don't leave, you know, boys around bored or they will burn shit down. That's just the way it goes. They either build things or they destroy things. It's, it's one of the two. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, so, wow. Interesting developing story. Any, anything else you'd uh, tack on to it? Um. No, other than the, the the size of the companies that they've gone after, it's just stunning. NVIDIA, Samsung, Microsoft, Okta. Which absolutely, I, absolutely, absolutely. And, and again, foolish. You know, if they went after mid-sized companies and just went, were motivated by cash, you know, which 
probably there's a bunch of people actively doing now using this technique because this is smart. Oh, you know, and um, you know, it's it's uh, you know, from a logic perspective, and we were talking the other night about this. The if you're the CSO or chief security officer for any company, any size, even 10 employees, 50, 500, 5,000. And, you know, typically your approach is let's secure, you know, the outside defenses. Let's create a safe internal place. Um, and, and there, I guess in the last decade, there has been more awareness about limiting inside the network you know, uh, access, yeah. you know, what, you know, we only, only certain people have access to this stuff and that stuff and this data and that data. But if you have to defend to the individual level, if you have to be so paranoid that every employee is potentially a threat actor, that's a very hard job. It makes the job no fun. Yeah. And when you have 30,000 employees, I mean, it's, uh, and subcontractors, and, and, and then who knows about the subcontractors, right? Yeah, and all it takes is one of them who just, you know, they keep getting late paid and everything else, and um, and they have a moment. Never mind. Of they could just have it. They could just have a jerk for a boss. They could get this. Could be that petty. This could be a fight, you know, and and you know, it could be anything. You know, you've worked at places. I've worked at places. Occasionally, you have a bad day or a bad week or a bad setup, a bad manager, a bad CEO. And you're like, fuck this place. Yeah, or you got fired you know, I, and they I, forgot to take you out of the authentication. <laughs> well, that's just lazy. And yeah. yeah. Well, that's true. Um, but, you know, uh, my wife works for a large hospital. Um, I mean, her doing her work remotely um, is so tedious um, because of this very thing that there's the balance, right? Because if you just give her consistent access to some of these internal records, um, as opposed to like on a uh, as needed basis, you know, you know, one time sort of deal. Um, you know, you, you're trying to balance her ability to do her job um, and their ability to not have all their patient data encrypted and and ransomed. You know, so it's a um, yeah, it's I, I don't know how they uh, get around that. Long term. Well, I mean, you you standardize, you know, you you monitor someone doing your job and you say, this is what you need access to. And this is how many searches you're allowed. And this is, you know, and you give them a, a quota of what they're allowed um, and you traffic shape to use an You know, it's not you're not traffic shaping, but you traffic fingerprint or or network fingerprint their normal activity. So. If someone who's supposed to, like a customer service person who's, you know, in an eight-hour shift does, uh, let's say, five, 40, 50 calls an hour, uh, sorry, a, a shift, say 60, whatever it is, um, uh, that they have a limit of 100 customer records they can look up in, in, in a shift because they would never need to look at more than that. Right. If right? they do, so just raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, and, and they request a, an exception, right? And then, yeah, but, you know, you should never have an open, unlimited query for anybody except, you know, once you get to your DBAs, you know, the, you know, like or someone whose job it is to look at thousands of records at a time. Um, right. But, yeah, it, it does. 
It does. I mean, I know you uh, you like to speculate about the the level of sophistication. Yes, I burned on uh, that in in all in many attacks and in scenarios, and I'm not ignorant to some organizations' capabilities. However, it is true, and this is true in so many things. Usually, the most obvious, stupid answer is the right one. Right, right. And and that seems to be the case with this kind of monumental hack. Yeah, I think I just operate on if it can be done, then count on it being done. And uh, which is probably not a bad you know level of paranoia, but um, but yeah, I think. Um, um, I conceded it the other night that the whole energy stuff, uh, you know, ability to remotely, you know, uh, take down someone's energy grid. I know that it's possible, and I assume that that all the big powers, maybe the top twenty countries, sort of had that ability on each other. But I haven't seen anything happen in our, you know, current situation, world situation yet. So. Um, right. To take your side of the argument, though, you could look at taking out, uh, and let's just assume, let's forget about the complexities of, of how many electrical grids there are and how they're interconnected and, and blah, blah, blah. But let's say you took you had the ability to take out California's electricity. It's a bit like a nuclear weapon. If you know you can do it, and then you know your adversary can do the same to you. It's kind of like we both have nukes. Neither of us wants to use them. So they become just this, you know, weapon that you you have. So you're in the club, but you don't use. Yeah, well, that would put me a little bit more on the right side. But I'm going to I'm going to take my licks because I really would have thought it would have happened given the current uh, state of world yeah. affairs. Yeah. Yeah. I believe there's electricity in Kiev right now, for example. Yeah, um, and even a little town with people that I interact with. I don't interact with them. It's one-way uh, stuff, but they get it on and off. And that's just because power lines get knocked down with, when bombs blow up, apparently. And, you know, they try and, and make that stuff. Right. Yeah. So you would think you would think that that would be a situation where if, if uh, a nation state had the ability to take an electrical grid off, uh, it, would be, it would be shut off. Cool. Well, cool story. Yeah. All right, that's me. What do you got, Mr. Allen? For me this week, uh, I was back and forth over a few different ones, but I got a, um, just yesterday on Twitter, I found this, uh, and it was a site called Bleeping Computer. Uh, they got a pre-release of uh, a report from uh, Google's um, security team. Uh, and it's about uh, some suspected North Korean hackers. So the suspected part is North, the North Korean angle, but we'll get into that a bit later. Uh, exploiting a zero-day um, remote code execution. So a, a zero-day, a new uh, vulnerability that allows you to take over someone's computer uh, on the web browser Chrome. Um, and the interesting thing, so this, this report, which is now available, uh, it's by, uh, Google's threat analysis group or tag as they call themselves at work at tag, man. Um, the, 
you know, the analysis that they've done, this is pretty interesting. And again, also pretty recent times. Um, so on February 10th, Google security discovered this exploit in the wild. They don't say how they discovered it, but you have to reckon that uh, they're monitoring, you know, Google sees a lot of things and they caught an anomaly. Maybe someone was hacked and it got reported and they traced it back and it got reported to Google. We have no idea how they discovered it, but they are admitting that on February 10th, they discovered a, a new vulnerability for their web browser Chrome that would allow an attacker to take over any computer running Google Chrome, which is a few computers. And um, and that's an understatement. Yes. Probably a few. I think it's the number one browser right now. They could have got everyone else beat, I think. We looked at this like two months ago. I think it was neck and neck, but uh, anyways. Um, I think we did. Oh no, we were looking at um, we were looking at web servers, not web browsers. Oh right, Nginx and Apache. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, uh, the you know February tenth of this year, you work at Google and the security team, and it's a really bad day um, because that is uh, just horrible. <laughs> it is the worst. Uh, it's as bad as it gets. So on February fourteenth, Valentine's Day. While you were, um, you know, cooking your wife dinner, the or probably ordering a pizza in your case. Oh, cooking, um, reading poetry. Come on. Uh, they released a patch, and I think this is interesting. And, and I want to just pause a second here. It took Google four days to patch this, and to me, that's almost unacceptable. Yeah. Now I get the. Um, complexity like just think of the language sets that google chrome has to support and the device sets and the you know just all it's it's a it's a ubiquitous product that has a zillion layers of complexity and you can't i mean patching this you know do you just you had suggested that they just turn off the functionality for the browser and push it out but that's not going to work if it's a core function. You know, people are going to, you know, if, if the images stop displaying in Chrome with this little fix, then, you know, everybody's going to go start using whatever else they want to use, Firefox or, God forbid, Microsoft Edge, and um, or switch to Macs, start using Safari. And... Um, <laughs> The uh, the fact that it took four days because like for sure, this is a, a huge deal on February tenth. Like, I wouldn't sleep until if I was on the team or in charge of the team or you know anywhere near the team. So we just can't sleep until this is fixed. This is too big of a consequence. This is this is the there is a back door into the Federal Reserve Bank of New York that's wide open. And there's no security camera on it. And there's an there's an invisible portal that you can just portal in and portal out and take what you need. And it's hard to find, but we know someone is is has found it, by the way. Yeah, it was actively in use. It was actively in use. I mean, that's how they found it. Yeah, so it, it turns out that when they... So anyways, it takes them four days. I'm guessing that they didn't sleep for those four days. You probably had... 
dozens of people not sleeping or sleeping very little. And I get it. You know, you have to roll out this patch. It has to work on all uh, all uh, operating systems. And, you know, it can't introduce any other bugs as well. You want to make sure you've fixed it. So, I don't know. What is the right amount of time? Four days seems long, but that might just be me not appreciating how complicated this was. Yeah, I mean, if, it's um, a, if it was a, uh, a core piece uh, of how a lot of other things worked also, uh, then it's, um, I won't go into the detail, but a long time ago uh, at the registrar we were doing work for, it, uh, we had sort of uh, put together our own little encryption scheme. I mean, it was using uh, uh, common libraries, but because it was cheaper to run than uh, SSL at the time. And so, um, and it turned out a core piece of that, we relied on its functionality. Well, when there was a bug in there, they had to fix it. And that functionality worked differently now. Well, then our whole thing wouldn't work any longer because it relied on actually that flaw, uh, that flaw in order to work. We didn't see it. You know, no one saw it as a flaw. Lincoln Stein was the guy who wrote that library. And um, so for us, we're like, well, this is a great feature. Well, okay, but uh, <laughs> whoops. Wow. And so wow. if, it, yep. if it was something. I mean, great, great, great analogy. Great analogy. You're right. So I don't want to shit on Google too much. Just zero days with remote code execution where you can own someone's computer. That's worth, that's, 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 you know, people pay a lot of money for that. That is, yeah. that is the, that is the unicorn, the golden unicorn that all uh, threat actors, nation states are always on the hunt for. This is a beautiful thing. Well, so anyway, and we don't know how long it was in the wild, right? So they found evidence of people exploiting it back in January 4th. So we know that someone was exploiting it then, but this, this vulnerability has probably existed for a long time. It's just some, no one found it and used it until January 4th. At least that's what Google is saying. Well, that's right? that's the only time they see the evidence of it. But sure, because especially if it was used sparingly in a very specific situation. Well, that's where we get that's where we get to the next part of the story. And 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 so if there is any good news to this interesting story, in my opinion, it's that they were very targeted. Um, so the suspected North Korean subgroups uh, focused on more than 250 individuals working for 10 different news media, domain registrars, web hosting providers, and software vendors. So really interesting group of people. Uh, so news, so you hack someone in the news, you can um, manipulate stuff. Domain registrars, I mean, we obviously know a fair amount about this. And and yeah, if, if you hack somebody at, with, with high-level access at a domain registrar, you can take over a domain, um, possibly. Yep. Uh, or lots of domains. Or just change the DNS. I mean, or just change the DNA, all sorts of, all sorts of crazy, crazy, crazy things. Web hosting providers, again, you get a good web hosting, you, you get the golden keys. Of, I mean, let's use a ridiculous example at AWS, Amazon Web Services. You, you got a license to kill all over the place and unnamed software vendors. Um, 
And so the reason they're attributing this to North Korea, because it's consistent with a, a previous operation uh, called Operation Dream Job, where the North Koreans apparently, uh, and this has been attributed to them uh, from 2020, uh, did a targeted campaign um, with fake job offers from prominent defense and aerospace companies in the U.S., like Boeing, McDonnell Douglas, um, and BAE. And in that campaign, they would target security people and um, and say, hey, do you want this job? Uh, so let's say I work at the uh, Department of Defense and uh, I get offered this pretty premium job at Boeing. But really, the job website is um, in there is the code to exploit my computer, right? It's a way to get me to go and click on that, on that thing. You so, are uh, listening to TPW NN. say that I 100% know that, but it, it seems to be the consensus. And um, anyways, the exact same technique was used here. Right. So here they um, went after not, you know, security and defense contractors, but, you know, media and web hosts and domain registrars using a very similar technique with with jobs. They uh, had a nice mix of uh, fake domains that they had registered. So they registered these domains, DisneyCareers.net. Um, indeedus.org, Indeed being a big job site, uh, ziprecruiters.org, ziprecruiters with an s.org, right? So that could pass the sniff test initially. Of I, I've heard of ZipRecruiter. I've heard their ads on podcasts. Um, ziprecruiters.org sounds legitimate when really it's a, a, you know, a trap. You go to that website with, the wrong version of Google Chrome and your computer is owned. Yeah. And if I can interject real quick, um, I've been, you know, gently complaining in my garage as it raises the roof sometimes, but no one, you know, is there to hear it with companies using like sort of shortcut domains. I don't, I don't mean like little tiny URLs. I mean like, uh, so Citibank happens to be one where I have a credit card and so a lot of their communications, it used to be, um, they would send it from citycards.com, you know, so it's sort of distinct. It's easy to remember, you know, cause maybe you're not a banking customer, like I'm not. And so, um, you type it in and then it redirects you over to city.com slash whatever. So it gets people used to the fact, you know, uh, used to the idea that uh, 100%. if it's a similar 100%. name or whatever, and I just, for years, I thought that was a very bad practice uh, for this very reason. Because, you know, you always mouse over a link, you know, in your mail client to see where it's really going. And it doesn't take long. And City Cards isn't, it doesn't even host anything. It's a redirect. I'm like, well, don't do that. <laughs> you know, like this is, no. I mean, I have, I have, um, you know, some old email honeypot accounts uh you know that you know i just go and look uh, occasionally like once a month i'll go in sometimes more frequently sometimes less and just see what the and look at the spam right and the and the phishing emails and you know I look at some of them like wow this is so good you know like i'm glad that 
my anti-spam stops this from getting to me in my legitimate email. Because it's just, you know, it probably wouldn't get me, I'd like to think. But boy, would it get my, uh, you know, my sister or, you know, somebody who's, who's not always looking for a threat. Um, you know, well, they're really good. Timing is everything, too. So I've almost been bit a couple of times because I get these things for, you know, notice from UPS, you know, and it's not UPS. Um, but the nice thing is I'm not expecting anything from them. So, you know, it's easy. But when you're tired and it comes in and you're, you know, like your package has been delayed, you know, here's, you know, the update on your tracking number. And the, the human readable side looks like UPS.com. And you mouse over it and it'll be like UPS.com dot, you know, something else. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, even if you do it for a living, you kind of have to be, or the timing, if they get lucky. Well, this is it. This is it. I mean, it's the thing is, there's no cost. Well, there is, but it's a very low cost to send out 100 million emails. You know? Yeah. That's, that's, uh, and so all you need to do, you're just going fishing. That's why they call it fishing. You know, you're like, I'm going to throw out 100,000 reels into this lake. I just need one fish to bite. Right. And then I own their computer and let's go see what we can find and monetize. And all you need to do is if you send out 100 million emails, what are the odds that you're not going to have somebody that's waiting for a UPS package that day? Yeah. You know, or I mean, it happened with the uh, with the DNC, I think in the 20, I think it was in 2016. And one of their high level guys, you know, clicked on something for uh, his Gmail yep. account or something like that. Yep. And yep. Yeah. Boom. All that email was. So it'd be one thing if they got, you know, my son when he was 10 years old. It's like, oh, no, they got his Minecraft credentials. But uh, if you're a uh, Podesta, it doesn't matter. But um, from a political party who is active in a presidential campaign. I mean, yeah, there was all, all sorts of bad stuff came out of that. Yeah, that was not good. Not a good look. And, and on one hand, it's sort of what you expect. You know, like, but it's just a bad look during a campaign. And, and yeah, you, you uh, feel bad, you know, for at least the information security professionals, right? This yeah. is what you're always dealing with. You're dealing with, uh, you know, the, you know, John Podesta, say what you will. He's highly accomplished at his political job. Yeah, he's right? just not a tech guy. He's just not a tech guy. Yeah. And, and so it's just a, a, a living nightmare to be security for the DNC and John Podesta outranks you by a million miles. You know, John, we need you to take this two hour security training. I'm busy, man. I'm, you know, yeah. <laughs> trying to win this can't, this election, uh, you know, get my assistant to take it or whatever, you know, and, or we need to put in this, you know, security is always, uh, usability versus security. Yeah. That's what it always is. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's tough. You sort of feel bad. Anyways, so uh, then they also talk about in this report, there was a second group of people that they targeted um, and uh, 80, 85 people in cryptocurrency and fintech. Uh, so they were like, let's see if we can make some bucks as well. Um, and after they... Uh, closed the hole for in the four days and were able to look into the exploit that these guys had built, 
because of course they were able to find the messages and go to the fake websites and see how it worked and grab all the code. Um, interestingly, they, they these attackers did two things. So they registered and created a bunch of fake sites, but they also infiltrated some legitimate sites. And that's always the worst when you target a legitimate, when, when you have access to a legitimate site and can implant some bad code, because that's very hard. It's impossible. I couldn't stop John Podesta from going to a legitimate site. I can't say, don't go to Citibank. Right. Because you, you have to trust Citibank. But if these um, groups have the ability to put code into Citibank's web server to target John Podesta, that's very, very hard to defend against. Um, and so the sites that they did compromise weren't Citibank, thank goodness. They were smaller sites and, and you know less legitimate, I guess, arguably. Um, but there were, um, you know, there were some. Uh, uh, crypto blogs, for example, and crypto services that were infiltrated. And if they got lucky and, and one of those uh, fintech people clicked on the link, uh, they would go, oh, yeah, this is a legitimate site and not know that they'd just been owned. Well, and um, two, those, yeah. those fintech people, they do have hobbies, you know, like where to go hiking or, you know, how to raise chickens. You know, so you get one of those little blogs that's un unknowingly serving up malicious content behind the scenes, all it does is launch an invisible iframe, you know, that could last forever because, again, most people don't, they're not robots, you know, so what are the, the where are the nice hiking trails in Thousand Oaks? Oh, I just made the route. Um, but, um, you know, so, so, you know, and it, it's an out-of-date WordPress blog that's just unknowingly serving up malicious content you know, President Obama, President Bush, anyone could click on one of those. Yep. Absolutely. Last piece of info from the report that I thought was interesting, and this is interesting because where it is, it's at the end of the report uh, and the end of the news article. Uh, they uh, found, I love this, I'm just going to read this verbatim. Uh, the researchers found evidence that the hackers were not only interested in Google Chrome users. They also checked users of Safari on macOS and Firefox, directing them to specific links on known exploitation servers. So there's a lot of different ways you could read that sentence. One of the ways is this is just true and they're putting this in as a little dig or like, you know, you know, Chrome is no worse than Safari or Firefox. Right. The other is, you know, uh, they include this and it's, you know, it's just a component. They, they, they overemphasize to sort of remind everybody that everybody has security issues and, you know, Chrome is, is, is still pretty good. I mean, I, I, I trust Chrome. Um, you don't, I know. No, um, well, I do. I don't trust Google. Um, so I use Brave. I mean, Brave is using yeah, the yeah. Chromium, you know, foundation right. anyways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you, you do trust Chromium uh, at least. So there's that. Um, okay. So here's here's sort of my takeaways and then we'll um, uh, get to the, the stupid or interesting internet thing of the week. Uh, very targeted attacks, right? So you've got the keys to go into any building 
in the world with this, the, the bad guys that had this exploit basically had keys to go into any building. And so they could have just gone anywhere next door. They could have tried to break in. They could have just gone anywhere. And they went after a couple hundred people of specific interest to them. So that does make me feel better as a normal person or a relatively normal person. Um, that, uh, you know, because you could design an attack um, where you go for hundreds of thousands of people. And, um, you know, the, instead, and, and this sort of leads to the credibility of it being a state actor, is that they were sophisticated enough to not do that. We had given this exploit to those 16-year-old Oh, kids. everybody would have been whacked. Yeah. It, it would have been much less uh, targeted, for sure. Yeah. 100%. So, uh, you know, that gives you some solace as a normal human. It's John Podesta. Well, maybe not John Podesta specifically, but some, let's say somebody who's just a normal person, they're probably not going to come for you, you know? So don't take a job in, in the, in the political or defense industry yeah. or, or at a domain registrar and you're probably okay. Uh, yeah. At least for, uh, from a state actor's, uh, perspective, because right. you know, they right. didn't get greedy. Just take the stuff you need. And... Well, I guess the thing is, too, if you're just thinking out loud here, I mean, you get this and you go after 100,000, a million people, you're going to get caught. It's going to it's life is going to be very short. Yeah, because that many people, you're going to get a bunch and then it's going to get reverse engineered and it's going to be shut down. Right. So if you keep it quiet and targeted, um, you, the odds of it lasting, uh, in this case, a month and a half. I guess January second to the fourteenth, so whatever that is, yeah, yeah about month. Of, uh, you know, if you went for the, you know, the quantity over quality, probably, you know, if January second you went for quantity, it'd probably be fixed by January tenth. You know, right. So they got a little bit more mileage out of it by using this targeted attack. So that's just a nice, reassuring thing to think about. I think also the attribution to the North Koreans. <clears throat> This one I'm all over the place on, you know, sort of what we talked about earlier, where often, I mean, attribution is just so hard to do. And, you know, we've, we're, we've been around long enough just to know how, how uh, easy it is to attribute something to somebody. You know, the reason it's being attributed to the North Koreans is because it's this technique that they've been using before. Right. But if I was South Korea and I wanted to blame the North Koreans, I could use their exact same techniques. You know, there's a lot of copycatting going on all the time. The so, framing. Really. But, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just you always have to have that in your back of mind. I don't want to cast any doubt on the credibility because you also have the simplest answer is often the answer. The simplest is, is the right answer. Right. And in this case, it makes a ton of sense who they were targeting. Um and, you know, uh, there's probably other information in the attribution that they're not releasing, um, you know, uh, for Google to take this position. You know, they're not going to tell us everything because they're telling the bad guys how they know it's them. Yeah, sources and methods and all that stuff. They keep Sources that. and methods, yeah. And, and the only part of the attribution that I'm quite comfortable with is that this was a state actor, um, just the level of sophistication. I mean, actually, should I should I be that confident? But what, what, um... that adds to my confidence as well. The fact that they didn't want to uh, spoil it, and uh, you know, and and let it go 
because and and only get you know noticed um, if you know whatever. Like so, but it, it could just be a sophisticated cyber criminal gang. Equally, would take that approach. Well, sure. I mean, because let's face it, the, the U.S. at least, uh, you know, we've got three primary boogeymen, right? So we've got Russia, North Korea, or China. So if something bad comes our direction, as long as you can lay it at one of those three feet or sets of feet, um, then you know you're off to you know you're off skipping to the races, um, and everyone's you know, and it's so it's nice and easy uh, to blame one of those three entities because people will buy it because we you know the way it's been sold in the U.S. is that those are all anti-U.S. and and evil countries. <laughs> You know the the leadership, not the peoples, but the leadership. Um, that's you know that's what we've been taught. You know my entire lifetime. Right. A um, couple last things here. Uh, I, I definitely want to applaud Google for releasing this info. Um, you know Google <laughs> security is probably amongst the best in the world. I would guess. Uh, and Google has uh, decades of experience of getting hacked. Uh, and dealing with these types of situations. And it's great to see them lead with the front foot in releasing the information. You know, Google could bury, excuse me, bury this story. We would never know about it if this was a certain, if this was other company, you know. Um, now that, um, you know, I think the, the it, in, in, in my mind, I've always been of the opinion that you release this information for the good of the general community. And also, but, but, you know, I've worked at companies that have been hacked that they didn't announce it for sure. Um, I, I, and, and there was a period where you didn't, and then everybody got hacked and it came out because you can't really hide a big hack, you know, because um, yeah. too many people get hacked get affected by it. And they're like, it's, it's sort of, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. Anyways, this is a targeted attack on hundreds of people, and Google still decided to publish it, um, which is, I think, great. Yeah, I mean, they're also, it's just smart. You get ahead of that, because if it does leak out, and, and there's a high likelihood that it would later, that they knew about it, and it was you know, widespread to hundreds of millions of users, um, as potential, anyways, um, that's just such a bad look. Um, it's such a bad look. Yeah, this is the right responsible thing to do is to is to publish. So, anyways, credit to Google for that and yes. their um, tag team. Good job. The report is actually really a good read. Um, you know, maybe not for everybody, but I loved it. Um, and uh, you know, this just the uh, if you put on your tinfoil hat, can you trust this report? Uh, you know, is there any reason for them not to uh, be honest here? And I, I would say no. I mean, this is uh, just, uh, you know, normal operations here. Yeah. And I think, especially people in the tech world, you know, if you're honest, because everybody screws up. Everybody. Everybody screws up. And so if you're honest about it and you say what you did, then mm -hmm. the, the only critique is, well, did you work hard enough and fast enough? But the right, idea my critique of, uh, did, any, did, did was anyone allowed to sleep? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone, you know, your duty is a cattle prod, anyone whose eyes are drooping, you know, but um, but the, the idea that, that uh, they're not supposed to have any, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, any mistakes, well, that's just an impossible standard. That's an impossible standard, yeah. Cool. 
All right, so that's me. Let's talk about our stupid or interesting internet thing of the week. You are listening to TPWNN. All right, so our stupid or interesting thing of the week uh, is brought to us this week by Tom. It's something that he he told me about a couple weeks ago, uh, a Twitter account to follow which I followed and I have been fascinated by since. Tom, what is this Twitter account and what does it do? Uh, it is, uh, it's a person or a group of people who monitor various blockchains uh, for large movements of uh, crypto currencies, crypto you know, tokens, and, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, you know, the, the big players and it will um, it'll monitor if a large transaction has happened between this wallet and another one. But some of them, for instance, there might be one hundred fifty million dollars in Bitcoin moved from this unknown wallet uh, to Coinbase uh, or uh, or it moved one hundred fifty million dollars Bitcoin from Coinbase to this otherwise unknown wallet. So all that stuff is public information. Um, and eventually some of them they're able to identify. Like everyone knows uh, Satoshi's you know, main wallet because nothing's ever been moved from there. I think that's how this stuff starts anyways, right? They all wanna see if those billions of dollars but not a nickel has been spent because if it is spent, um, then Satoshi's That's alive. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, first of all, he's alive. Second of all, why is he selling? <laughs> right, right. So it'll cause a panic sell. Yeah. Um, um, so uh, it's fascinating to see the movement. And we're yeah, talking Yeah, you told me about this and I, and I followed it. And, and yeah, the huge numbers. So, I'll, you know, I check my Twitter two or three times a day. And there's not always a transaction, but often once a day, there's one. And it's like, and sometimes there's like three in a row. It's like 250 million here, 500 million here, 30 million here. And you're like, I wonder if this is connected or, or, you know, and, and then it's like, uh, you're, you're always like, it's sort of like, yeah, watching the credit card processing machine of the world and seeing somebody like, why would you need to move $125 million on a Wednesday afternoon? Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those fun things to think about. Like, what, what are you doing with 120? Are you buying something? Or did you have a bad night at the poker game? Um, just to see these transactions, they're real financial transactions at those real valuations. So you, it's, it's kind of like, and you, don't know whose wallet you're looking at. Is this Elon Musk? Is this whoever X, Y, or Z? Is this a cyber criminal group? Um, is who knows what it is? Is this a nation state? Yeah. You know, well, they, and two, is it is it a 25 year old who in 2013, you know, took, uh, you know, 20,000 Bitcoin for two pizzas? You know, and it just been sitting there and wasn't there was that famous one, right? With the, the pizza place, you know, for I think ten thousand Bitcoin. And 
I mean, if it was just sitting there. So is it some 25-year-old that's like, I don't know, here's half of my wealth, I'll move it over to Coinbase, I'm going to buy some Dogecoin with it, you know, or whatever. Um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thing. I wish there was more detail, you know, about who it was. <laughs> All they have to do is use their Bitcoin to buy, like, something at Carl's Jr. And then now that wallet is identified, right? And you see who the person is, potentially. Um, well, only if you have access to Carl's Jr. Carl Jr.'s CCTV system. Yeah, I guess you're right. Um, uh, well, maybe we can get that 16 year old in Oxford to. Uh... Yeah, yeah, we definitely <laughs> will get some. <laughs> All right, so that's it for this week. Thank you, Tom, for your time and for your struggles in getting your Bluetooth to work. Um, it's always fun to hang out and see your beautiful face. I will let you release you into the exciting wilds of your Saturday, I guess for you, morning still. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, thanks for hanging out, uh, Scott. It is a gorgeous day. It, it, it eases the pain of taxation in this state. But, you know, get out and enjoy the sunshine. Yeah, it's raining here in my geographic location at the moment. And it does not look, it's gotten colder in the last few days and the forecast is not good. So, but spring is coming, and maybe I'll come out to California and visit you sooner than later. That would be my normal plan before it was disrupted by all these computer, I mean, physical viruses. Yeah. Anyways, if you listen, thank you so much. Uh, we'll do this next week again, and um, stay safe. See you, Scott. The computer, an extension of the human intellect. The web is incredibly exciting because it is the, the fulfillment of a lot of our dreams that the computer would ultimately not be primarily a device for computation, but metamorphosize into a device for communication. And the, with the web, that's finally happening. And secondly, it's exciting because Microsoft doesn't own it. I am the computer man and I am ready for questions now, thank you.